Okay, at this time we've been doing a Bible study on the book of James. So today, Mr. Steve Andrews will come up and he's going to conduct our Bible study on the book of James. And uh, the guests who are here, I hope you'll not be intimidated and jump right in. I, uh, <laughs> so I was looking at this, I realized how many dozens of sermons I may have preached on this, this one chapter. And so consequently, uh, we could probably spend uh, probably a week of Bible studies on each verse if we wanted to, uh, really delving into it and really getting into it. So to um, keep Barnabas from <laughs> not having any time, um, I, I picked some, I think, some, some of the questions. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to skip the, the introduction. Um, you all can read that if you have it. And uh, it's, it's an interesting introduction, but I would like to skip right into to James, the fourth chapter, and read all the verses so that we'll have a, a, a really good background for what, what we're going to study. Go ahead. No, we're on the fourth chapter. This is number seven. We just did number six last week. Take, yeah, tangling of the tongue. This is the... the <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping we're in the right place here. If not, you'll get a double portion. <laughs> no, I don't remember doing this one, so anyway. So, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not... Hear even of your lusts that war in your members. Now, I'm reading from the Easy Reader Bible. It's the King James Version, but it takes out the these and thous and all of that. So if you're following along and yours is a King James Version, that's the reason why it's a little, maybe a little bit different. You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture says in vain that the spirit that dwells um, in his lusts uh, that the spirit that dwells in us lusts to envy. But he gives more grace. Wherefore, he says, God resists the, pro the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. And he that speaks evil of his brethren and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a, a judge. 
There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you that judge another? Go to now, you that say today or tomorrow, we will go into the, such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your, uh, in, um, in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. And if you, you've been around for a while, and a lot of us have, a lot of those verses are so very familiar, so very much a part of, of, of what we think and, and believe. And so let's, let's go to, to the first question that he asked. And, and the first question is, uh, what explanation for fighting and waging wars does James give in this passage? So who would like to, to jump right in there and, and uh, answer this question? Because it's quite vital in the time that we live in today. Uh, the things that are going on in the world and even in the society that we live in today. Anybody would like to? Come on, give me a, give me a break. Well, I know one of the things that, that, that kind of, uh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I don't think it's on. Is it on now? There we go. Okay, now we're on. Uh, well, he, he gives the answer in, in verse 2 having to do with lust, and lust goes to our own carnality and our own, our own pride, our own feeling of importance, and how we want to fulfill our life to get that feeling of importance, all kinds of comes together there. Uh, and, and we fight to obtain things that those motivations implant within us or are from within inside of us and uh, it causes uh, confusion and fighting and, and disrupts the harmony rather than relying on him and pursuing his way in the way he would do it to give us a fulfilled life. One of the things that's happening right now is a person's desire to take over another country to decide to basically wipe out a people because of the desire for that land. And our desires for pleasure war within us sometimes. And those things causes people to do unspeakable things to obtain those pleasures. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that he's following in the steps of, of Lenin and, and Stalin and has no, uh, has no care for whether they're um, you know, children or, or women or, or the elderly. 
He's just bombing indiscriminately and wanting to, to, to get his will through. It, uh, it's, it's very sad what's going on over there. Uh, of course, this has been going on for a long time. It's just a culmination of a lot of things that are happening. But it is about lust for power. Yes, we're, yeah, there we there go. Is. Yeah, just in uh, conjunction with what some of the others have already said, you know, uh, when the scripture says that we war not against uh, flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places, it's not just our country, it's around the world, and we're seeing that so much that uh, I think some of these things are definitely demon-possessed and, and Satan-driven. Uh, you know, the things that these leaders are doing in these countries. So it's God, God's allowing it. Yeah. On both the individual level and the international level, the discrepancy comes, as Carolyn said, between the discrepancy between what we have and what we want. And if we, what we have doesn't match what we want, in all probability, we're, we haven't asked for it. And if we ask, we've asked for the wrong thing. Yeah. And it's a part of the 10th commandment, too. Desiring something that's not yours. And, and, and so consequently, um, it leads to a great deal of trouble. I want to jump into the next one here. And this one led me to, to an interesting thought. James doesn't call some of his readers adulterers or adulteresses in verse 4 to 5 to accuse them of actual unfaithfulness in marriage. What is, what is he trying to communicate? What is he trying to bring forth with that statement? It says, you adulterers and adulteresses know you not. <laughs> Why does he call us, whoever he's talking to, adulterers and adulteresses? Is there a precedent in the word? Because we're supposed to be engaged to Christ right now, and when we become a part of the world, then we become, we're committing adultery against Christ, yeah. God. Anyone else want to make? I would like to just right here do a, just a quick, because um, I brought my pad up here. This word, an adulterer, is metaphorically also one who is faithless towards God and godly. Um, and then this word adulterous, in, even though it's in the New Testament, it's obvious that they look back to the Old Testament and saw something, and it does mean adulter an adulteress, as an, as in, in, uh, number two was, as the intimate alliance of God with the people of Israel was likened to a marriage, those who relapse into idolatry are said to commit adultery, or play the harlot, a figure equivalent to faithless to God, unclean, and apostate. 
so we become a, fa- a faithless person towards God if we have a, um, you know, if, if we are in the world and we're a part of the world and we're doing the things in, in the world. And uh, let me read the rest of it. You adulterous and adulterous, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. That's pretty strong words from James. An enemy of God. And of course, we go back to, to Romans, the 8th chapter, and we know with the, without the Spirit in us, um, we are also uh, the enemy of God. Or we're uh, carnal without God's leadership and help. So, uh, anybody else want to comment on that particular one? Go ahead, Larry. Um, what, in the beginning, what, of James, isn't this, this is addressed to the 12 tribes. If you read the first, very first verse of first chapter, it's addressed to the 12 tribes. So that, that's a pretty large yeah. <laughs> uh, group. Yeah. And what, maybe some of them so carnal that, that <laughs> they were still at that stage in their life, that's who he was, this is he, who he, this is addressing. It was strong uh, words, yes, I, definitely, yeah. That, that you're, well, well, he's supposed to be telling them, and he is, I mean, James is telling them yeah. what, what is right or what is wrong. You shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's the way it comes to me, and. Also, what when he was talking about being friendship of the world, I think that's when you're you're participating in the world's ways, which are opposite from God's. So we're we're well. That hopefully has that has come. I mean, that's our past of the world, but we're not in. And but we are to be. I think we are to be good to people, to be kind to them. We're supposed to be be lights, as we sang. We're supposed to be lights and be the salt of the world and be good and be kind to people, though. But we're not to be involved in the their conduct and what our former conduct was. Thank you. Okay, let's go on to the next one here. I'm going to read um, in the book... There is a little bit of commentary, and then there's a second uh, set of commentary, and then there's a question. I'm going, to, I'm going to skip the first question commentary and go to the second one, but it all is tied together. By the world, James seems to mean, as often is the case in Scripture, the way the world believes. And what, you know, Larry just, uh, the pattern of life, the underlying implicit story, the things people want, expect, long for, dream of, that drive them to think and behave the way they do. If you go with the drift, if you don't reflect on what you're doing, but just pick up habits of mind and body from all around you, the chances are you will become friends with the world. In this sense, you will be normal. It takes guts, and it does. It takes, it takes a willpower. It takes God's Holy Spirit. I'm going to add to his, his commentary. It takes God's Holy Spirit. 
to stand out and to be different. It also takes thought, decision, and determination, especially when you're, you're faced with the possibility of losing a job because of you know, what you believe or losing your life because of what you believe. And to the heart, and I'm going to jump into this next, and then we can comment on, on both of this and, and the question that he has. At the heart of this challenge to be a friend of God, there, is, there lies a double promise so stupendous that I suspect most of us never really take it seriously. To begin with, resist the devil and he will run away from you. Now in this particular, you might, uh, um, I challenge E.N.T. E right here a little bit. Uh, he says that the devil's a coward. I think he's a coward in the front of God, the Father, and Jesus Christ. That's where, but when it comes to us, I'm, I'm not sure about that. When, he's, when he is resisted with the prayer that claims the victory of Jesus in the cross, he knows he's beaten. His trick is to, to whisper that we know we can't resist. He's got us before, and he'll get us again. So why not just give in straight away? Save all that bother. It's a lie. Resist him and he will run. What are the practical ways that we can resist the devil? Practical ways that we can resist the devil. Steve? <clears throat> yeah, back here. <laughs> <laughs> there you are. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that one of the most simplest ways is to stay close to the Word of God. Keep reading the Word of God. Even if you can't do it daily, do it often. And that brings us, that hones us into him. Because, you know, he wants us to have that personal, personal relationship with him, as well as praying and everything else. But try and keep him in the mind and with the spirit. It's, it's easy to do, do that. But if we can do that in our daily lives, be thinking on those things, it really can definitely help us to fight off the, the white devil. Practical things to do if you know you have a weakness for something. Maybe it's going to a movie that's not appropriate or going to a bar if you've got an issue there or even hanging out with people that you know are going to lead you down the wrong path. You stay away to try. You don't put yourself in a position to be tempted when you know that there's an issue in so that's practical ways to stay away it's because you are in an environment that is influential in your in in your life and anything that can influence you can especially if it's negative can take you away from God's truth God's way what else on that one Um, I'll have to go, go along with what uh, Mark was talking about a while ago. I think the bottom line is, is keep our, rela our relationship close with our Creator. I think that's, and that, in, that does involve, involve um, spending time in His Word and knowing what, 
he says about all kinds of matters and just having having continually continuous prayer life with him and it, it's even I feel that even during the day we need to continuously continuously ask him for his help and and I'm talking about asking him for the help that only he provides that can only come from him because that's and if we're close to God and it may be involved uh, fasting at various times because that's a period, that shows our seriousness and our sincerity when if we're willing when we're willing to do without food <laughs> uh, I think that has an effect upon our seriousness and how God look, views us and and when whenever because there's so many things happen whenever we fast and one it's a way of being humbling ourselves and drawing and being close to our creator and he he promises the help that only he can provide anybody else okay let's let's go into the next one then James then contrasts resisting the devil with the promise, draw ne ne near to God and he will draw near to you. This is verse 8. This is astonishing. God is ready and waiting. He longs to establish a friendship with you. A friendship deeper, stronger, more satisfying than you can ever imagine. Why is it sometimes hard to believe that God actually wants this kind of relationship with us? And I can tell you some stories about some people <laughs> that, that feel that even though they were baptized, had God's spirit, they were doubting. They were doubting. Wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we have to be able to, to understand that he loves us and will take us even when we, you know, when we, we fail, we sin, we do things that we shouldn't be doing. God still loves us and wants to take us through this. That, this is part of what he's trying to, to get across, that God loves us so much that um, he wants to have this relationship through the spirit that dwells in us. We become that living temple that he dwells in, Christ dwells in this through the Spirit. And then we, you know, we, we become very close to God. We have a friendship with God. And it's not without a lot of, sometimes a lot of trials and tribulations that go along with it. I mean, it's, it's just the way that, that our life is. But we understand there is a purpose and a great um, end result to it. Anybody else want to... to I like what you just said about the trials and tribulations because sometimes we, uh, we ourselves could never change ourselves and unfortunately it's only by going through certain experiences that we do change and sometimes it's very difficult and like you said I, I could give you personally uh, <laughs> dozens of examples. Uh, one that comes in my mind is coming from a small town in upstate New York and going to Chicago 
where I knew absolutely nobody and the feeling of loneliness. And, and then I remembered the account of Joseph being sold into slavery, essentially by his brothers at an age of 17. And I think that illustrates some of the development that he wants us to have to fulfill the future. And we wouldn't undertake some of those challenges by ourselves. So he puts us in, in situations to develop us into the being that he wants us to be, to fulfill his purpose for us. So it's sometimes we can't see that or understand it, but uh, it, we have our faith in him and trust in him, and it'll all come out. Um, first Corinthians, first Corinthians uh, six, uh, verse seventeen through about let's see, seventeen through nineteen. Um, tells it all right there. It says, but you who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that man commits is outside the body, but the immortal man sins against his own body. Do you know not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? So we're not our own. We're his. We're made in his image. Absolutely. Um, and for you have been bought with a price and therefore glorify God in your body. So I started with that, and I went through, I found Old Testament scriptures that had those same words. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I found... <laughs> some other scriptures in the New Testament that had those same words, but I started with that one, and it was an astounding study for me. It is interesting. Um, and I was thinking about this before, because this is the first time that I've really taken uh, an opportunity to do the Bible study. The questions that N.T. Wright are asking are questions that someone that, is, that might come up to you for the hope that lies within you. If you notice, these are basic questions. You've got the scriptures, you know what the scripture says, and you just quoted a bunch of them right there. So what we're talking about in here is, I'm going to go out and I'm going to constantly understand God's word. Someday, somebody's going to come up and ask me a question. And it's going to be a question just like this. And it's my, my door is open now to answer that question to help that person along, to help them to understand the, the truth and not be shy about it. We don't have to go into a deep explanation. We, we found that out. We don't have to go into deep explanation. Um, you know, somebody come up and ask you a question like, well, I don't understand. Am I an adulterer or an adulteress? You can explain that very quickly by understanding that those are metaphorical, looking at the, the fact that God considers our um, relationship so close that if we were um, to go out into the world, we were like committing adultery, which is like idolatry. So anyway, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah, go ahead. Something that um, I correlate with my job as a teacher is the bonding like, if we don't have that continual relationship, we're not bonded to him, just like on the first day of school when I'm, I come across this foreign concept of being this mother hen to these 20 little kids all of a sudden, <laughs> and they don't know me, I don't know them, and you, 
you invest in them and you pour all of your heart and your love into them all year long and then you have to say goodbye to them like how do you do that because it just breaks your heart because you have you have invested so much and that's one thing we never have to do with God in our investments is say goodbye he's there he's waiting to bond with us and all he wants us to do is trust him it's uh, kind of interesting that um, <clears throat> Jesus um, was so concerned you know about individuals that he would he would stop and pray for them and and uh, we we have a little granddaughter Rosie and we we pray whenever she has to be out of our sight we pray that Jesus and God the Father will be with her put their guardian angels around her I feel you know, he's, he created women you know he understands the, the heart of a woman and I feel he also, you know, understands the heart of a man. And so consequently, understanding that, I feel that he loves us as he loves the little children. Jesus said, bring them to me. And that, that's, that's, um, that's, <clears throat> that's part of it. Go ahead. Is there anything, anybody else that wanted to, uh, before I drop into this next one, we're getting um, close to the time that I'd like to. Get close to the time I'd like to finish up, but I still have quite a few to go here. <laughs> okay, let's go to the next one. James sandwiches his advice on re resisting the devil, drawing near to God, having pure hearts between comments on humility in verses 6 and 10. And 10. Apparently, humility has something to do with these directions. Uh, what is this connection? Now, let me read just so we'll have a background, let me reread 6 and 10. 6 says, but he gives more grace, wherefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So the anti uh, Rice question is, uh, apparently humility has something to do with us direction. What is the connection? What's the connection between our relationship to God and humility and his grace that is poured out upon us. We are teachable that when God says stuff in the Bible and we read it, we're willing to make that change. I think it's in, back in Isaiah where it says, oh, God speaks to you with a still small voice. Uh, if you're totally engaged in the ways of the world or your own goals and objectives, you, you won't hear that. So if you're humble, trying to seek first and foremost, and along with meditation, to see that the path that you're on is a path that he would like you to be on, uh, then you will, you will as, as, as uh, as was just stated, that you will be becoming more what he wants you to be. Go ahead, Larry. I think that a humble person knows who he is 
in his relationship with his creator. And, and an arrogant person, what they, they're unteachable, or <laughs> they got it all together, and, but as a general rule, the, what God says about an ar arrogant person, <laughs> their, their day is coming, and it's not, <laughs> it's not fun. At least I, that's the way I, it comes through to me. Didn't, and there's a lot of arrogant people and leaders of countries, and their day, their their day is coming. They're going to reap what they what they, what they have sown, and of course that's true in our lives as well. It is interesting that even in the New Testament, this word um, really relates back to the Old Testament because it means. Uh, to make low, to bring low, uh, to level, to reduce to a plane, metaphorically to bring into a humble condition, to reduce to a meaner circumstances, to assign a lower rank or place, to abase, um, to humble or abase myself by humble living, um, to lower, to depress. So very close to the same thing that the that the Old Testament has, which um, really means you need to humble yourself before God. It was interesting that in that particular thing, I was thinking of David. Um, most of us would not think about uh, having someone committed to be killed and then also having an adulterous affair at the same time and then thinking God would, would forgive us. But David humbled himself. I mean, literally refused to eat anything fasted and prayed to God to forgive him. And you can read that in Psalm 51. And that's the kind of humility that sometimes we need in our life. Um, Larry's mentioned at the time fasting. I mean, he just he quit eating. He just prayed and prayed. Well, he was praying for that child. But God's de determination was that the child was going to die because of the sin. But those were pretty grievous sins. God told him, I could have given you everything you wanted. You didn't have to do that. And he understood. And so, anyway. Um, we're getting close. I'm gonna, I want to I wanna go to, let me read uh, 13 through 16 again. And I want to ask a couple of questions here towards the end. And then we'll, we'll, we'll finish up. Go to now you that say today or tomorrow we will go into a, a, such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get game. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is a sin. And so N.T. Wright asks him, um, uh, he says, um, how do verses 13 through 16 highlight this danger in, in um, relation to our future plans? Pretty simple, but um, does anybody want to? One word. <laughs> the, 
the problem is um, we're finite. We will die. Uh, the older you get, the closer you get to that reality. <laughs> and we know that. And, and we understand that. And, and, the, and the things that you, you do towards when you're young are going to be different than the things you do as you get older and you realize that your life is, is, is very short and, and, and you are going to meet your maker. And so all of the things that, then that, that, that are in the scriptures become more and more important as we get closer and closer to, be, to, to meeting our maker. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I just had a note from the uh, back behind there. So let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the last, I'm going to read this last question. And I don't know if anybody wants to, 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 um, to say anything about it. In practical terms, what, what, what it would look like to live out an attitude that expresses, if the Lord wills, we shall live. And we shall do this or that. If the Lord wills. I mean, a lot of times we've said that in the past, haven't we? Uh, if the Lord wills that this happens or that happens in our life, um, this is what we will do. Um, sometimes we go about things that we <laughs> shouldn't do without the counsel that we need. And so consequently, sometimes we get into trouble. But in your own feeling, um, how do you feel about God's will in your life? And taking and doing what um, he has asked you to do in your life. God's, anybody? Okay, well, we're getting close to, Larry would like to make a final comment. And then we'll, we'll ask a prayer and then we'll, we'll come and finish up. Oh, and we have one more, too, after that. Um, isn't he the one that we should be striving to please? Isn't, isn't he the one that we should be striving to please, not, not what Larry wants? Not what I would want. And really... Are you all is it really striving to please what God wants for to happen where the feast is to be held? Are yeah. you really striving to please where and and you'll see and want his to give you confirmation on that. Yeah. You're, we we all should be striving to please hit please him and yeah. to be doing his will. All right. I, I just have an example, I guess, along the same way Larry just said, and that was that when I did go to Chicago, I wanted to stay in Chicago because back home there wasn't any church, and I didn't go back, I didn't want to go back home. And I looked for a job, looked for a job, looked for a job until I was down to my last $200. I couldn't find a job. So I went and I asked the, the local pastor, do you know of any jobs? He said, I don't know of anything specifically, but we have quite a few people that work at this particular company. I went over there and got a job and was hired the same day. Okay, I think that was the last question I wanted to ask. So let's, let's close with prayer. Father in heaven, as we come before you, we give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for those who are here today. We give you thanks for all the called ones 
that you are calling in the world. And we give you thanks, Father, for the understanding that you've given us of your word. Guide our hearts, guide our minds as we live this way. Let it be your will in our life, not our own will. Thy will be done. And that's the way we should look at it. Thy will be done. We look to you, Father. We look to your will. We look to your way. We look to your Son, Jesus Christ, who sacrificed his life that we might have life. Not just physical life, but eternal life in the kingdom. And thank you again, Father, for the blessing of your word, the blessing of those who are called out and are your chosen ones. Guide us and lead us in our lives. Guide us through your word and help us to do what is right as we have tried, as the, James was trying to help uh, those that he was writing to, which is us, uh, to learn the lessons that we should learn out of his word. In Jesus' name, amen.